Good morning. It is great to see each one of you this morning. My name is Nathan Adams. It's my privilege to be the pastor of Outreach and Missions here at Moncton Wesleyan and to have such a great team called the Love My City team that's helped put together a fantastic opportunity for us this week and into next week. Joel has led us in a fantastic new vision for the church, don't you think? And so today, I want to give some clarity to how we serve, how we go out to the world. God only has one plan for this world. It's the church, his body of believers, his family of faith. In Revelation 7, 9, there's this vision. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God, worshiping him. That is the vision of what God wants to do with our world. Jesus' last words, though, to us were not, go out and make the world a better place. They weren't. His last words were, go and make disciples of all nations. And when we teach people how to follow Jesus and to love God and love others, that makes the world a better place. How did Jesus make disciples? There's two really interesting statements that you'd say that would be mission statements for Jesus. He calls himself the Son of Man. In the first one, in Matthew 20, he says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So his method was serving. His purpose was to pay the price for sin and have people come to him. In the parallel statement, the Son of Man... For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We can see that this was Jesus' mission. The serving and the seeking were together. At the Last Supper, Jesus not only provided the blood and the body and said, do this in remembrance of me, but he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And finally, Jesus just said, I am among you as one who serves. And that's exactly what we're going to do this week, church. We will be among our community as people who serve. With the spirit and attitude of Jesus, his priorities will be our priorities. The hungry, the hurting, the sick, the new the people who are not included, the people that are suffering and are captives, those that are widows and orphans. And in fact, guys, this is already woven into the DNA of our church. I want to run a little video right now that tells about something that happened yesterday, something we've been doing for several years thanks to the vision and generosity of church members like yourselves.
just got a text this morning, of all things, from one of the women that was at that car clinic. And let me tell you a little bit about her story. Last Christmas, when we took an offering and gave it away to three charities, one of whom was Naomi and Ruth, we had the ladies from Naomi and Ruth all here in the service. That day, one of them accepted Jesus Christ. Within a few weeks, she was done with the program at Naomi and Ruth. She came to our church. She joined our Celebrate Recovery program and found support there. She immediately said, I will drive anyone that wants to come to church or Celebrate Recovery. You just tell me when. I have been touched by Jesus. She's been driving her car all over the place. And uh, she got baptized. And then yesterday, she's at the car clinic. And she said, I told my 15-year-old son, who doesn't want to know much about Jesus so far, what you guys were doing for me. I was getting an oil change and tire changes. And he said, man, this church thing is getting better and better. <laughs> and then when she got there, they said, these tires are no good. Carolyn, we're going to give you brand new tires. Hi, Nathan. It is Carolyn. I am sick and cannot make the service. I will be watching online. Please pass on my gratitude for my blessings of yesterday. Moncton Westlane has brought so much to my life. I feel part of a community of love, and I no longer feel alone. The church has deepened my relationship with God in ways I can't explain. As we seek to love our city, it comes out of an overflow of love that God has poured into our heart, out of a community of love, the real community of love. And we come out saying, we want to share that love. We're inviting you into the community. We're going to love you whether you're part of the community yet or not. And it's a great, amazing vision of God. One of the amazing people in our church, there's so many of them, is Leanne Prescott. She works with World Vision. She takes young women and men and trains them up to be missional teenagers that go out into their schools and raise money for these things and become advocates for change. And she says, when these ones are going out to do a missions trip around the world or around here, she says, there's a certain posture for serving that they have to take. And I, need a, I think it's a great a bit of advice that can be our posture for serving this week. The first thing is, we need to be a guest. We are here to come alongside and not to take over. So if we go into an organization, we are the guest. If we're in someone's home, we are the guest. Be a listener. The best way to help is to learn and to ask great questions and really listen for the answers instead of offering solutions without context. The third thing, be open. This is an experience that will transform you if you let it. That's what serving can do. And lastly, be an encourager. Speak words of hope and encouragement into the lives of people facing challenges. Now, as we go ahead and we serve this week and next, and as we begin to do it as, the, as more the DNA of our church, as part of our mission, we need to understand how serving relates to the message of Jesus. Some churches have actually lost confidence in the message of Jesus and tried to replace it with serving. This is not how Jesus intended it to be. He said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message... The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. And the Apostle Paul said very similarly, For I am not ashamed about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Isn't that true? Yeah. Serving 
is not a replacement for the message, but serving is the context that makes the message make sense. Now, when the secular world talks about serving, sometimes it can remember a couple Bible verses. The first is, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And by this, the world pretty much means, be a nice person to nice people, and they will be nice to you. That's pretty much what they mean. The second verse that jumps to their mind is, do not judge, or you will be judged. And by this, they mean, keep your morality, your religion, and your opinions to yourself. I'd like to look at the context from which those verses actually come. It's in Luke chapter 6, if you'd like to turn your Bible to that or open your app to Luke chapter 6. And let me give you the context of the context for these two verses. Jesus had just spent an entire night in prayer, and the following morning, he chose his 12 disciples. His 12 disciples were going to take his message to the world and ultimately would write down the message that you're reading right now in your Bible. A momentous decision. And as he has chosen these messengers, there's a great crowd of people that has gathered around. And so he gives the disciples their first how-to lesson on delivering the message. The first thing he does is he begins to heal people in the crowd. Luke actually says power was coming out of him. And that is one of the things that we frame the message with is the actual power of God through prayer, through faith and seeing God come through and do his miracles. The second thing that he did is he gave them a strategy manual for being servant prophets. If you would look at Luke chapter 6, verse 20, we'll read together. Looking at his disciples, he said, he said crazy things, actually. <laughs> Blessed are you who are poor. Woo! Yes! Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For this is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Jesus was saying that his disciples with the message would be treated like the Old Testament prophets who came to the nation of Israel with a message they did not want to hear. And because they did not want to hear it, the society hated them, excluded them, and insulted them, and rejected them. And Jesus says, good news, so will you guys. And the 12 guys said, what did we get ourselves into here? But the thing is, is he says, as you bring that message of good news and repentance, because we want the good news, but the repentance part's a little harder sometimes. I'm going to personally bless you. For everything that comes at you that's tough, I'm going to bless you. I will be your source. And then he goes ahead and, and uh, says, but woe to you who are rich. You've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now. You're going to go hungry. Woe to you who will laugh now, because someday you're going to mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. False prophets are well-liked because they tell lost people what they like to hear. False prophets present a one-sided picture. They usually like to talk about hope, heaven, faith, and love, which are great things. But they fail to mention sin, God's judgment, repentance, and hell. 
topics that Jesus himself majored on. But Jesus does not just give us a hard message that is guaranteed to provoke a reaction out of people. He gives us a way to deliver the message. It's a way that breaks down the barriers. Look at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay, that's a whole different context, isn't it? For do to others. Jesus is not saying, like in the business world, hey man, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. <laughs> He's saying, for the people that stab you in the back, love them. With a radical, deep love. Is it possible we're reading this wrong? Let's look at verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. This ridiculous love of Jesus is the context for the message. That is what must frame everything we do. We must love people who don't deserve it, people who are ungrateful and wicked. Mother Teresa said, for love to be real, it must cost, it must hurt, it must empty us of self. And serving can do that if you'll let it. Have you ever heard anyone say this before? Poor people just want handouts. They think they can just do nothing and live off the system. I worked for everything I have. Nothing was ever handed to me. So why should I help them? I know where I heard it once. Out of these lips. Have they ever, has, that, has that sentiment ever escaped your lips? And if not, have you quietly thought that? And has it taken a little root in your heart? Because it will be a point of resistance for you when it comes to serving. I personally grew up below the poverty line. Oldest of four brothers. And my mother did not work outside the home. And my father had just one of those jobs that does, the money doesn't go far enough. So I grew up poor. Except that I didn't grow up poor. I grew up rich. I had a great family. They poured God's love into me. They encouraged me. They helped me with my education. They put me around people that were good. And in every way, I was blessed and set up for success. I will tell you what never happened to me. Never once did an uncle or a father come into my room and sexually abuse me. Never once did someone that was supposed to love and care for me tell me I was ugly, stupid, or worthless. Never once did my parents demonstrate brokenness in front of me. 
I did not come from a broken home with, where everything that was stable was rocked from me. I was not surrounded by people that taught me that evil was good and good was evil. But guys, so many people that you would call poor have been broken by that. Stuff you and I never faced. But what if you did make the most of your opportunities? What if you did work hard? I think Jesus would say, so what? You're reaping the benefits of it right now. And don't you know my heart for my people? Don't you know how my heart goes out for my lost children? The same way as those of you that have had... How many of you have... Oh, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand. Some of you have adult children that have wandered away from the faith. You know how you feel about those children. And your heart goes out to them. In the same way, the heart of God goes out to them. And if we can just feel that heart when we're around people and demonstrate it, it'll be amazing. I've had sick kids in the hospital. I've seen people I love dying. And, I, and as those people served those kids or, or, or family members, what they were doing for me, was the be, for them, was the best thing they could ever do for me. You've prayed before, maybe. Take me, not them. And that's why Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you're doing it for me. That's where his heart is. Now Jesus finishes this sermon by saying in verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Do not judge is the Bible verse that our culture throws at us any time we mention any other Bible verse that calls them to account. They think, they think it means you should say never, never say anything about someone's behavior. This is not at all what Jesus meant here. He sent out 12 prophet servants with a message of repentance and hope. Jesus himself said things so directly to people sometimes it was unreal. But yet he said it with an attitude where people knew that he genuinely loved them. Where he could say to the woman at the well, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. And that is the attitude that we need to have as we carry this message of God's love and his call to people, to the world. We can enter into this ridiculous cycle of God's generosity where if we give, it'll be given to, given to us. And it's really not from the people that we're giving to sometimes. In fact, most of the time it's from God himself as he just continues to bless us with his amazing, unending love as we enter in and help those that he cares about. <clears throat> We've all seen this mission statement. Uh, if we can get that up there with the arrows and everything. I want to talk about three aspects, though, of this to-the-world part. Because love changes everything, God's love in us to the world, I want to talk about how we take that to the world and how it changes everything. So there's three aspects to this love that changes everything. The first is the message of love. The sex, second are actions of love. And the third is the power of love. So the gospel message is always accompanied by serving on the right hand 
and by supernatural power on the left. That's how it's supposed to go. <clears throat> so when Jesus uh, chose those 12 disciples, he immediately shows them the power and immediately says, and this is the kind of sacrificial love I want you to have. One that goes so deep, you'll love people that aren't even going to love you back. So if you're serving with a Christian organization this week or the next week in, in town, you can go right in and, and the message can be, be central and large. You go right ahead. Let it be right there in the middle. You can talk about it. It's going to be heard in the right context because you're helping out and because we're praying beforehand and bringing the power and presence of God with us. If you're serving in a secular organization, you still bring all three, but you do it wisely and respectfully. So what that means is that you lead with the actions of love. You bring in the power of God through just having prayed up beforehand. If someone needs prayer, you can discreetly ask them, would it be okay if I pray for you? And if you get permission, you can do so. And we bring the message. That's one of the reasons we have these t-shirts. So no one can have any real uh, misconception about why we're doing this. It's because of the love of God. Some people, as you're talking about what you're doing, you're just saying, we're doing it because God's love changes everything. And if they go, great, then you know you, that was all the message they need to hear right now. Do not say anything more, okay? But if they go, really? I've never seen anything like that. Tell me more about it. Then you can start sharing a little bit about the message. I think a great way to do it is to share even how Jesus' message has touched your life or someone that you know and love around you. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So the actions of love are on our right hand, the power of God is on our left, and we're, doing, we're getting that power of God by covering this week in prayer. So if you want to come out to the rising prayer on Tuesday night, we're going to be praying a lot. Um, you can come out on Tuesday night to a changer's leadership training. Pastor B is going to be here. Do you know that he just made the front page of every paper in New Brunswick? I think that guy is cheating age completely. Uh, he's peaking. So he is the best leadership expert, really, in Eastern Canada. And he's going to be teaching us for about half an hour and empowering our service. We're going to have some prayer together. And then we're going to have an opportunity on Thursday night for some serves. So say you're super, super busy and you can't do everything, maybe Thursday night would be your night. If you're so busy that you have to choose between coming to prayer and serving, this is the only time I'm ever going to say it, go serve. Oh, and the rest of us will pray double for you, okay? <laughs> Got to happen, though. We have to have the prayer covering. It's something I learned in Haiti, because in Haiti, if we didn't pray, then we had disaster. It was pray, then do. Can, there, can we say that together? Pray, then do. And that's how we do it. Otherwise, we don't have the right power of God with us to go with the actions of God to frame the message. When we go to the world, we are salt counteracting the forces of decay in our community. We are light, working with the Holy Spirit to draw people to Jesus, and we are glorifying God. We are shining the spotlight on God and not ourselves. So we have an opportunity for you to upload some of these things you're doing and put comments and pictures. Let's do it in such a way that people see that the spotlight is up here, not here. Matthew, 15, uh, Matthew 5, 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. The light of the world, 
Let your good deeds shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In 2014, just recently, Barna did a survey in the U.S. And they asked people if they can identify a favorable impact of the church on their community. More than half of the people said, we can't, find, can't think of one favorable impact upon our community from the church. It's probably worse in Canada because the church has declined more. The Roman Catholic Church has had severe struggles. The Protestant church pretty much split in two directions with a liberal direction that really did pretty much replace the message of Jesus with just the actions. And the evangelical church, which has kept strong on the message, has either withdrawn or been subtly pushed out of the public sphere, out of the community. And that has left our world without enough salt in it. And before they had fridges, how did you keep the meat from spoiling? You used salt. The salt was to prevent the decay. And I tell you, my friends, look around. Do you not see decay in our society? The re-engagement of the Christian church who believes the message, who goes with the power of God and comes with actions of service has never been more necessary than it is today. I absolutely love our mission statement because it says not love accepts everything as in it's not going to change, so just accept it. It says God's love changes everything. It's revolutionary. It refuses to accept the status quo. Let me give you an example. The status quo right now is that drug use is skyrocketing in our community and in our country. If you take the time to drive the downtown segments of our city, you will see evidence written all over the faces of the people that are there. If you come out of the burbs and the nice community where you may be living, you will see it. Government tried to stop it. Set up detoxes. The police went hard after it. Everything that we could think of as a society has been tried. But you know what? Jail hasn't deterred this. Detox gets you clean chemically, but doesn't get you clean here. And so now we begin to see a society that is beginning to acquiesce to the status quo. The economic action plan for our province is to grow weed. People that have been hooked on heroin are less and less being told you can beat it and more and more told you can live on methadone as a lesser evil of an addiction for the rest of your life. That is accepting the status quo. But love changes everything. At Naomi and Ruth Center, women who have abused drugs since they were kids and have been failed by the system are getting free as they find the love of God and they're getting new tires at our clinic too. <laughs> at Teen Challenge, men that have been decades, some of them caught in addiction, are finding freedom and brotherhood. It's amazing. At Harvest House, people are being taken from literally being homeless on the street because of the addiction, not in all cases, but in many, and being rehabilitated into society. It is fantastic. And at Celebrate Recovery, people are coming in here right in this church and confessing sin and finding support, and we're hearing testimonies of people like we did on Monday night saying, 
18 months free after 20 years of bondage. Because the heart is being healed, the spirit's coming alive. So we don't need to accept the status quo. Forget about just drugs. You name the category where the darkness is. We do not need to accept the status quo because love changes everything. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stop it. Paul said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We do not go on an aggressive war against people to enforce our will. We come with an overpowering, never-ending source of love poured into our heart that says, you can spit on me and I still love you. You can disagree with me and I'm still serving right here with you. Jesus said, Paul said, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's who we serve. I'd like you to grab a couple inserts or materials that you got on the way in. The first is this big master serve sheet. These are examples of places you can serve in the coming week and a few into the next week. We would like you to make sure that you fill out your name on that. And is, this is super essential. We don't want to call a thousand people on the phone. Okay? Is that reasonable? We don't want to call a thousand people on the phone. We need your email. <laughs> and then we need you to check your email. Because <laughs> then we can easily confirm with you that the thing you wanted is going to work out and give you all the detailed instructions you're going to need. So please put your email in there and please make sure you check it. There's options in here if you say I'm going to invent my own serve. That is great. Um, if you are already serving in the community like so many good people are in this church. We would like you to log that this week so we can be aware of it. The second thing. And now I'm on this thing here that says essential serve info. You see that little sheet? Essential serve info. Talks about putting your email in there and checking your email. Um, those who are watching online can sign up today at mw.church, right at the top of the page. Beautiful work that Shane's done. And Shane has done a ton of work, by the way, on all the media for this. And I think he deserves a round of applause. <clears throat> now, we need to show up if we sign up. Can we say that? Show up if we sign up. Show up if we sign up. Why? Because we're going to either build God's uh, reputation or we're going to take away from it. So if we don't show up, it's not good. Uh, on some of these opportunities, there is an asterisk beside it. The asterisk indicates that you need a criminal record check. Um, so many people took the papers that we have right now at the info desk for a free criminal record check and went to the RCMP this week. That I think, we, I think 200 people took criminal record check things. It's just amazing. You guys are phenomenal, and I thank you so much for your support of this. If you still need one, you can get it. You can get your criminal record check tomorrow. What you have to do, though, is if you are going to a serve that asks for a criminal record check, bring it with you. You've got to show them. And please make a copy here at the church or bring a copy to the church so we can have it in your file for future serving. This is really important. The RCMP don't want to see you multiple times, and you know, maybe you don't want to see them a whole lot either. 
<clears throat> we are shining a spotlight on God by sharing all our comments and our stories and our pics. This can be done at becauselove.ca. Becauselove.ca, there's also a link on our main website. Please be sure to upload that. If you're not good at uploading, then get someone else to help you with it or bring in your story to the church and we'll help you. Awesome t-shirts are available out in the lobby. So many of you are wearing them and have them. $10 for adults, 5 for children and teens. You can get them now. You can pay with cash. There's a debit machine, a credit machine. There's a cash machine. Um, you could even get them at the office tomorrow, right through till Friday. Just show up during office hours. I've already told you about rising, focus on prayer. I've already told you about changers leadership training. We're hoping that every volunteer can come out to that, and we're going to serve. Now, Pastor B liked to tell us those old stories about when he was young in the ministry, and he got called to do the all-week revival, right? And it was so good that it got carried over to the next week, right? And every night they were in church. This is similar, except we're only going to be in church Maybe once, maybe twice, if, you're, if you have the time. Where we're really going to be, guys, is in the community. And we're going to serve our faces off this week. You can sign up for more than one of those if you want. You can make them, you can post them, and we can show the world that God is not dead, that God loves them, and that they were totally misinformed about what the point of life was, and that maybe we got something worth sharing. Thank you for your time this morning. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move.
God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Nathan, for not only blessing us, but challenging us this morning in such a powerful, powerful way. God bless you. Just before I make a few remarks, I want to, you to pay attention to this video, which is a result of the Christmas offering that you so generously gave, and I want you to just thank God in your hearts for what's happening. My name is Jill Colligan. I'm from My name is Jill Colligan. I'm from Edithville School. I'm a teacher here, and I teach math and science to middle school grades six to eight. I'm here representing the entire middle school team and 88 students. The impact of technology in the classroom has allowed us as teachers to become facilitators of learning rather than just delivering curriculum. Tech is actually quite complicated and they need to learn how to use it properly. Just even uploading a document is something that some students don't know how to do when they hit middle school. It has taught them problem solving skills. So when a student comes to me and says, it's broken, I don't know how to use it. Sometimes it's just as simple as closing all of their programs and opening it again. And that is a problem solving skill so they're not running to their bosses later in life. And it makes them an independent learner. It benefits me as um, a kid who has a disability. I have dyslexia, so I can search up and read and get more information for what I need personally. And if I need to know something that the teacher doesn't know, no one else knows. It can help me. It can help me in my research. The middle school team at Edith Cavell wants to facilitate learning through technology. So that means teaching them how to use the technology to solve other problems within different content. So if I'm teaching math or science or social studies, it doesn't really matter about the content. It's about how to get the content, use it, and make it into something or learn about it in different ways to gain their interest and and teach technology skills along the way. So how to present the information, how to gather information, how to research, how to take notes, how to do all of those tasks. The impact you see in the classroom every single day through our entire middle school. We're just trying to show them that all you have to do is try things and learn and take those steps. So technology drives our society. We're just doing our small part. Amen. Another one of the, uh, another one of the uh, blessings of these devices is that it's used by new immigrants, uh, uh, children, to uh, learn the language of our community. And so it's absolutely a blessing. Well, 
How many of you believe that the words of Jesus are absolutely true? You do? Well, Jesus said that those people who give receive a greater blessing than those who receive. And I think that's why you've been applauding all through this service this morning, because you have been giving, and the blessing is so, so tremendous. So this is a week of emphasis on serving. Next Sunday, the emphasis is on giving. What a blessing it's going to be for you. Now, I want you to say this with me all together. Forty dollars. Well, that was a kind of week, especially over here on this side. Okay, $40. $40. Okay, here we are. Now, what does that mean? What does $40 mean? Well, the average Canadian spends 2 point, or not spends, drinks 2.8 cups of coffee a day. 2.8, I don't know how they get, figured it out. 0.8 cups of coffee? Well, I guess a little bit gets spilled, I don't know, but anyway. So, assuming that, uh, you know, 75% is Tim Hortons and 5% is Starbucks and 2% is whatever, second cup, and then there's Keurig and all uh, that factored in there. But if it comes out to 50 cents a cup of coffee on an average, that's $84 a month. So, we rounded it off to... Uh, half of that, which is, uh, well, it's $84.50 is $42, so we rounded off the $40. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when you get my age, you get a little slow with everything, even, <laughs> even floor hockey. So, we have three agencies that we are going to bless with next Sunday's offering. One is the Pregnancy and Wellness uh, ministry down on John Street that we're well aware of. They're working with uh, women and uh, children and helping to uh, really bless people who decide that they are going to uh, carry their child to full term and bring that child into the world as a blessing and a gift from God. And then Crossroads for Women who work with women who have been in abusive situations and dangerous situations, and they need immediate help and refuge. And then the Head Start, which is an organization that helps families who are in need and families who need a hand up, and they're an outstanding organization. And so these three organizations are going to be blessed by your offering of how much? $40, but let's make this clear, okay? If 400 people give $40, that's how much? $16,000. If 600 people, and there's more than 600 here this morning, give $40, that is how much? $24,000 divided by three. That's, that's, that's awesome. That would be a great gift. Now, some of you maybe not be able to give $40 because you, your, your finances are limited, but you can give some. You can give a toonie or you can give $10 or $20. Some of you here can write a check for $1,000 and 
and it wouldn't even make a dent in your checking account, right? You don't have to wave your hand, okay, I know. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. And so we are going to raise just an awesome offering next Sunday because love changes everything. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Good stuff. Don't go yet, though. Don't let them go yet now. we got to get our blessing. And part of that is you've got your sheet, right? And now hopefully you had your calendar and you were able to cross-reference. Please don't leave the building today without turning that in. Could you do that? Okay. So we have baskets up front. If you want to go against the crowd, in fact, maybe there'll be, a, instead of a crowd going that direction, it would be awesome at the end of the service to have the crowd come this direction, okay? To come this direction, drop them in the baskets before you go. But if not, we have uh, people at the doors who will be glad to take those sheets for you on the way out if you can't make it because against the crowd coming which direction? This direction to leave them in the basket would be awesome. Let's stand for our closing blessing. This week, may God's love be in us to this lost and broken world. Why? Because love changes everything. You are dismissed.